This is the Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Podcast with Dr. Serene Sharif. This is a space where we explore how mindfulness, productivity systems, and our thoughts create the magic in our life. I'm here to help and support you if you are struggling with overwhelm and burnout, and you're looking for tools to take control of your time, mind, energy, and productivity. I'm your host, Dr. Serene Sharif, and I am a general surgeon, medical educator, mom to three wonderful children, and wife, which were all instrumental in my journey to be a productivity and burnout coach. I'm excited to share my tools and unique framework to build a community so no one has to go through this alone, empowering each other to find our way out of burnout and overwhelm. We will explore how my mindfulness and productivity systems framework can help you combine the energy of mindfulness with the scientific principles of habit building and your unique systems of productivity. My framework is designed to help you find clarity, design your dream life, and create your transformation. We'll discuss how to overcome limiting beliefs and obstacles that are standing in the way of your dream life, as well as how to create and sustain your new habits in a way that will allow you to finally ditch your willpower and motivation struggles and have more time and energy to live your best life. This is episode number 11. Last week, we discussed a few tools of mindfulness that we can use to build our presence in the moment. We discussed tools such as savoring, journaling, and engaging with our five senses as a way for us to build connection and awareness to the moment, helping to build anchor points to the different areas of our life in a way that will help us build a multidimensional experience in our lives. By using mindfulness as a tool to increase our awareness and reflection on what is possible and what is actually happening in our life, we get to ask beautiful questions and expand the periphery of our consciousness. Are we happy? happy with that? Do we want to make changes? How do we increase our mindfulness, our connection, and our anchor point to this moment? And I hope that you had a chance to explore some of these tools in your life. This week, I would like to explore further the idea of using mindfulness as a tool to create intentional living. I'd like to explore how to get clarity in a life where we might feel distracted and overwhelmed with the endless data and clutter that fills our mind, our physical space, and our digital space. So the first step really is to explore what do we believe? What are the values that we live our life by? When was the last time that you really sat down and thought about what is important to you? What is your vision for the future? What is your purpose in life? What sparks joy for you? A lot of us have either heard of or read Marie Kondo's book on the life-changing magic of tidying up. Now, this is really referring to physical clutter and minimalism, right? It's talking about what sparks joy and only keeping those few that really bring joy in your life. So I have actually applied this to mental decluttering. I've applied it to digital decluttering. I've really applied it in a way that helps me determine what truly does bring joy for me. And we apply it to multiple domains in our life, including our relationships, our self, our career and intellectual growth, our spirituality, our physical space, digital space, etc. And we'll be exploring this a little bit further in a future episode. But I just want you to just start thinking and journaling. What are the things that spark joy for you? What would it be like if tomorrow you kept one thing that truly sparked joy for you? So you knew at the end of the day, no matter how crazy it got, that one thing 
was going to be there for you. You can explore this further by journaling because journaling really does connect to that subconscious, unconscious space, what I would call the periphery of our consciousness, the submerged portion of an iceberg, right? The area that we cannot see, that we cannot quite comprehend but truly guides and pushes through the energy in our life. That's the space that we want to explore. So I want you to use these questions as a way to journal and to connect to that space within your own mind and explore. What do I want to create more of? What do I want to experience more of in my life? What do I want to let go of? And do it from a space of loving kindness and compassion, from a space of joy and love. When you explore your core values, what are a few words that come to you? What are a few words that really your everyday choices are guided by? You get to choose with intention where you want to grow and what you want to do. Now, I hear this quite frequently. It's already April 1st. It's been three months and maybe the year started out great. Maybe the goals that you had at the beginning of the year or the habits that you were working on, or if you made resolutions, any of those, you might have started off great and you might have petered off a little bit. This is the space for you to do a reset, for you to renew the promises that you made to yourself. Because if you make a small change in your life every day, a 1% growth, by the end of the year, imagine where things would be. Time is going to pass anyway. How do you want to spend your time? What do you want to grow and cultivate and prune? Now, next week, I hope to explore with you really a way for us to connect to our strengths. What would it be like if you lived in your strengths and you understood your weaknesses and challenges and with compassion helped bridge the gap between where you are now and where you want to be. Knowing our signature strengths, really our superpowers, is the key in designing and implementing our productive schedule. We'll explore a few options for finding out what are your signature strengths, finding out more about yourself. And the more you understand your own psyche, your own mind, your own superpowers, that's how you really grow to the next level and have fun. Because when you are living in your strength, you feel confident and build success and feel your self-efficacy, your ability to believe in yourself that you can do this, that you can get to that next level is amazing. So you get to build that. And I am so excited to share this journey with you and to help you discover your superpowers coming up soon. So I hope you'll tune in for the future episodes. I also have a special invitation for all my physician friends to join us to build your time for renewal and reset, to focus on yourself, to renew those promises you made to yourself, to realign with what will serve you, and to reignite your passion for your purpose. The Physician Coaches Collective is a collaborative effort by physician coaches honored to share the space and build an empowering community to help you and support you through your transformational journey. I'll leave more information in the show notes so you can find out more about this program. Take the next step for your reset today. With seven physician coaches sharing powerful tools to help you reset, refocus, and renew your mind, body, and soul. 30% of the proceeds will go to Humanity Auxilium to support humanitarian relief across the globe. You can find the link for more information in the show notes, and I hope to see you there. I'm so excited to welcome my guest today, Dr. Kara Barr 
who is the CEO of Resilient Health Institute and support women to take control of their health and their hormones in menopause with bioidentical hormones and lifestyle changes. Dr. Barr creates a bridge between hormones, skin, and mind-body medicine to optimize women's experience through menopause. She's an international speaker, best-selling author, clinical educator, and considered a leading authority on women's health. Her work has been featured in Mind Body Green, Better Homes and Gardens, Reader's Digest, Glamour, Self, Oprah Magazine, and more. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. I'm excited to have our conversation today. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. So I would love to hear uh, a little bit about your journey and how you transitioned from being a practicing clinician to helping women through their menopausal journey. Yeah, that's a great one. My background is I am a dual board certified dermatologist, right? So most people would not think skin and menopause. The way that I ultimately got here is my own health issues, my own health journey, and like your mess becomes your mission. So it was about eight years ago. That's crazy. It was eight years ago. <laughs> and it was really a culmination leading up to that. But it, but really eight years ago, I was running ultra marathons thinking I was in the best shape of my life. I was in academics thinking I'm eating well, doing all the things. And at the time, the focus of my career was skin cancer and melanoma. And I found a spot on my arm that I ultimately had to diagnose as melanoma. Now, this was leading up to that 10 years years of growing and changing lesions. I was ignoring it. I just cut those things out, forget about it, move on. I've just had too much, whatever. But that really was my wake up call because Mm -hmm. I thought, what's going on? Because simultaneously, I was also experiencing migraines. I wasn't sleeping well. I was bloated. I was just having all sorts of issues. And it really came to light that it was stress on my body. It was the physical stress. It was the emotional stress. Went to my traditional doctors. They just gave me pills to mask the symptoms. Wound up having multiple surgeries and I still wasn't better. And I knew deep down it had, there had to be more to this. And so as the dermatologist, right, I knew I needed to go beyond skin deep. I was studying skin on the surface. I was a dermatopathologist under the surface. I knew the answer was deeper on mm-hmm. more cellular level, really led me to a functional and integrative approach and understanding that hormonal imbalance is really at the root of so many of the issues that I was experiencing. And I thought if I, as a physician with 20 years experience had no clue what was happening, how is the average woman supposed to to manage this? My doctors never mentioned perimenopause. I was in perimenopause. And so I thought so many of the signs that show up in midlife, thinning hair, the wrinkles, the sagging, the weight gain, the breakouts, the rogue hairs, all of that is due to our hormones. And so really putting the pieces together, what we see on the surface is telling us so much about what's happening beneath it. That really became my mission to help other women understand what's happening in their body and how to navigate this journey because we spend a third of our life in a hormone deficient state. So that's a long-winded way of saying when stuff hit the proverbial fan, I had to learn a lot of hard lessons and I want to pay that forward so that other women don't have to go through that. Definitely your journey sounds like there was a lot going on and you really used your challenges as a way to empower both yourself and others. So there's many, I'm sure, who are grateful for you stepping up. And it's true. There is so much about our health that we just ignore or we think, okay, yes, I'm just going to take a pill for this, or there's some quick fix. And a lot of times, especially with all of the stressors in our environment, there's no quick fixes. (laughs) 
we might put a bandaid on it, but there's really no quick fixes. And I'm really grateful to hear of your work and can't wait to get to know a little bit more. So tell me a little bit more about hormonal health and what that means. How do we use mindfulness as a tool to, to understand our hormonal health and how do we make yeah, it better? There's so much to unpack there. I think that in terms of hormonal health, Oftentimes we think about just the sex hormones. We think about estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, but there's so many more hormones that play a role, our melatonin, our vitamin D, most importantly, our cortisol, our, our stress hormone. And when we think about stressors, oftentimes we think of just emotional or mental stressors, but we also have to look at our environmental stressors, the oxidative stress from UV exposure, from the packaging that our food is in, the, the products that we put on our body, our devices that we're using constantly and the thoughts that are in our mind. So using mindfulness pairing with hormonal health, I look to the skin. I go back to my roots. What is showing up on our skin can tell us so much about what's happening with our hormones. And it's a matter of paying attention with intention because most of the time, especially what I find with women, when we look in the mirror, we are not necessarily admiring what we're seeing. We are looking at the flaws. We are viewing ourselves with criticism and contempt. And to a large extent, through no fault of our own, this is the message that we've been given that when you see a blemish, it's something that it should be covered up. The beauty industry is a 500 billion plus dollar industry that has some merit, of course, but the messaging is always, you need this to fix this, right? So what you're seeing, there's something wrong. And I would love to reframe that and help women see, well, all people, but women see their skin differently. That when you are seeing that decreased hair density, the widening of your part, when you are hitting midlife, when you are seeing the thinning of your eyebrows or the rogue hairs on your face, those are your body's messages, your skin's clues that your hormones are out of balance in midlife. In women start their hormones start diminishing in our 20s. And starting in our mid to late 30s, our progesterone is really decreasing. And that has a significant impact, especially on hair growth. So progesterone at normal levels, one of its jobs is to block the conversion of testosterone to its more potent form, dihydrotestosterone, DHT, by inhibiting an enzyme five alpha reductase. Well, this is important because normally this dihydrotestosterone on the face, it stimulates growth of hair. On the scalp, it causes those follicles to miniaturize. It causes the hairs to look more thin, decreased in caliber. So as without the influence of progesterone, as we are maturing, starting our mid to late thirties, that's when you will notice the, the dark coarse hairs on your chin or the thinning hair on your face. It's indication like, Hey, is my progesterone? Are, are there other causes? Lateral thinning of the eyebrows, thyroid health. That's like a telltale sign. The dryness of your skin. Yes, it's estrogen levels, but what's happening to your gut health? Is your eczema flaring, your psoriasis flaring, your acne? What are we eating? What is happening in our body? And so you can use that intentional attention to what's showing up on your skin of being able to ask, what does my body need right now? Rather than what the heck is going on with my body? It's sabotaging me. Or even how do you cover it up? There's something wrong, but we don't really think beyond that. So that's fascinating. You don't really think about 
what is happening as we age and we are all aging, even a child, right? So we're all aging. It is a natural process. How do we understand that so that we can live in optimal health in each stage of our life? It's not about reversing it and being like 20 years old when you're 50 years old, but really it's about how do we optimize where we are and really connect to our best self. So there's so many things, actually, I want to know more. So one is sleep, right? (laughs) Sleep and hormonal health. Tell me more. And especially for our listeners, what are ways as we get older that we can have better sleep? Because I think I've heard from so many that, oh, my sleep is disturbed. And it's both falling asleep and staying asleep, all of the sleep disorders. So I know we don't have 20 hours to talk about this, but (laughs) just a little bit more on really understanding our sleep cycle. And, and the disturbances that happen as we as we have hormonal changes. Yeah, this is a great topic. Again, so much to unpack. And I, in my book, I wrote the, the book, The Skin Whisperer, and it really was certainly as dermatologists, when we look at something, we know we can see it, but it's that idea of your skin is sending you messages all the time. And the goal is to hear them when they're a whisper, not a shout. And there's a chapter in there that I call beauty sleep is real. It's true. It's not just, and I don't, want to just focus on the vanity of things. But when we sleep is when our skin has the opportunity to repair, restore and rejuvenate. And that has a lot to do with various hormones, cortisol, melatonin, growth hormone, the ghrelin, and all the, all of these interplay with one another. And the biggest, I think the two hormones that are probably most relevant is the interplay between our cortisol and our melatonin. Typically our body is functioning on its own natural rhythm, the circadian rhythm. And what you like to see is that at night cortisol levels are going down so you can unwind and then they rise in the morning. Melatonin on the other hand is rising at night going down in the morning. And the only way for your pineal gland in your brain to produce that melatonin is to be in a really dark place. So this is where one way to optimize your sleep is getting off our devices, our phones, our screens, our TVs, ideally a few hours before you're ready to go to bed, wearing blue blocking glasses to kind of block out some of that junk light. But what happens, why melatonin, why it's so vital for our our skin health is melatonin is one of the most potent antioxidants that the body produces. It plays a role in hair growth. So it interacts with our hair follicles. It repairs DNA and also increases the production of other antioxidants that help with cellular repair, like glutathione and superoxide dismutase. In fact, they're using melatonin topically for skin cancer prevention, as well as melanoma management. So think about that. We're using some, they're using something clinically that our body naturally produces. And the problem is when so many of us women were go, 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 that curve gets messed up. And And so oftentimes that cortisol is staying higher longer, and it makes it harder for us to fall asleep. And then when we're stressed, that also may make us our serotonin, other levels go down. And so then maybe we are buffering that with some stress eating. And then you have your blood sugar dysregulated, sugar goes up and your insulin levels. And then you might be waking up in the middle of the night because of some blood sugar dysregulation issues, which also then adds to weight gain and other, I mean, it's a cascade, but especially with the cortisol and melatonin with regard to skin health, it's a really beautiful balance that we want to maintain because when your skin can repair, restore and rejuvenate, and you need that melatonin to help with that. Yeah. You definitely uh, bring the science back to beauty. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a nerd. Uh, it's so cool. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is cool. And really, honestly, the sleep cycle and the disturbances and everything that's kind of really been going on, it's so disruptive, right? Because when you can't sleep properly at night, then your productivity and your ability to be at your best self during the day is totally disturbed. So it's important. I've, I've heard of the devices and changes in light trying to be in a cool, dark place for optimizing sleep, etc. Now I've heard of individuals taking melatonin to help, but I've always wondered because when you take a pill, is that the same as your body's natural production and response? And, and is there a melatonin dosage, etc. that you would, you know, that is out there that you would recommend yeah, to use? I think it's a great question. And the other, the, one of the biggest hormones that I didn't touch on that plays a significant impact, especially for us women is progesterone. And when progesterone is decreasing in our mid to late thirties, many women do notice they're more anxious and they're, they're not sleeping as well because progesterone is that great calming hormone that interplays with GABA, which is a neurochemical that really helps with common relaxation. So optimizing many women do need progesterone supplementation earlier on, and it can help with sleep dramatically. And certainly there are some lifestyle factors like the, the light and cool room. There's so many resources. It's great. But in terms of supplementing with melatonin itself, I am not opposed to that. Some people just mm -hmm. don't tolerate it very well. They feel really groggy. So doses of 0.5 milligrams to three milligrams, and each individual is going to have to kind of experiment with mm -hmm. what works for them. But I also like using botanicals and herbs that help support the body's natural ability to relax and kind of help decrease that stress response, help keep that cortisol level lower. So you can naturally restore your circadian rhythm, like lemon balm, magnolia, valerian root, and other adaptogens that can be helpful versus just going straight to the melatonin. I think again, just using melatonin without paying attention to your sleep hygiene, you're not going to get the long-term results that you want. You might fall asleep, but you still might wake up tired because you're not giving yourself that opportunity to really wind down. And that's where mindfulness also comes into play. Having some sort of practice at night, I'll always, I used to write it in a journal, but I, admittedly I got lazy, but like the three <laughs> things that you're grateful for, or doing a body scan, just checking in with each part of your body. And as you're just focused and so present with what's happening, the sensations that you're having, it creates that a relaxation response. It really gets you out of the worry that of the things you didn't do for your day or catastrophizing about what's happening in the future. You're just so in tune. And that also can be really a useful strategy for helping you get more restful sleep. Yeah. And I am a huge proponent for journaling and, and mindfulness. And in fact, combined it, I feel like it works synergistically in a way that is so powerful. So doing a five minute meditation and then being so connected to yourself and following that with some journaling really can help you get in touch with some of the thoughts that you're having that maybe you're not even aware of, or what are some deeper struggles that you might have, maybe not the most optimal for before you go to sleep, but I've used that as a strategy in the morning to really connect to the intention for the day and paying attention to what is coming up that you have these feelings of discomfort or anxiety, but you're not quite sure what it is. I mean, mindfulness is the best way to connect to that. And then journaling kind of helps bring it out. So I think to 
together, they definitely work synergistically. I'd love to talk a little bit more about stress and how not even realizing the level of stress that we put ourselves through, right? We always think, oh, it's okay. I'm handling it. It's all good. Everything seems fine until it seems like something very, very small or minor, right? That pushes you over that edge. And you think, wow, I don't even know how I was doing all of that until now. So what are ways that perhaps people can bring mindfulness and awareness to where they are, maybe some clues in their skin or their overall health that will help them understand, okay, this is a clue. This is a warning sign. This is a whisper, right? How do we address it before it becomes a shout? So what are some clues that people can use? Yeah, I love that. I was just thinking one of the ones that is more of a shout, but it's a delayed shout is hair loss. That's kind of a clue because our hair grows in three phases, a resting phase, growing phase, and a falling out phase. And if mm-hmm. you see that there's a stress three to six months prior to, and then you notice, you notice the, the end result, the downstream effect. And so sometimes, even though that's more of a, a shout, when that's happening, it's your clue that for a prolonged period of time, your body has been under duress and under stress. I think dark circles under our eyes, if, if you aren't prone to that, some people, they're lifelong, it's allergy, it's some genetics, but oftentimes it's a matter of congestion or we're not sleeping very well. And flares of eczema or acne can be clues, increased skin irritation, so many things. Obviously it's, there's multifactorial. Could it be a product that you were using? As we mature, the pH of our skin changes. And so normally we want more of an acidic that acid mantle on our skin. And if that shifts, but again, those are considered stressors in many ways. Like I think when we think about stress, we're just thinking about the emotional stress, but is there a stress of, are you using a product that is stressing out your skin surface? Are you eating foods? Are you bloating or other things like that? Are you ingesting something that is creating stress on your body? So there's just so many things that you're looking for shifts and changes Mm -hmm. or something that's persistent that you notice, well, I didn't used to feel that way. And just tuning in again, it's all a matter of just checking in on a constant basis versus just rushing past it. I'll deal with that later. And I think that comes Mm -hmm. a lot when sleep and stress are the two things that most of us put on the back burner. Those are the two (laughs) biggest needle drivers to help you feel more energized, more revitalized. And yes, in menopause, like most women will, the, the literature shows that the vast majority of women, the benefits out the risks of hormone replacement therapy and every woman will be hormone deficient at some point in time, but we don't just supplement hormones in a vacuum. It's all these paying Mm -hmm. attention to what's happening in your life. Are you eating well, moving well, sleeping well, and giving yourself a break, having some passion for yourself Mm -hmm. and where you're at, if you're struggling, it's going to be, make the biggest difference. So true. And and it is interesting to note too, that cortisol and melatonin really, they, there is a balance between them. And so when you're looking at even sleep disturbances, not sleeping properly, feeling exhausted, and we think, oh, it's just, I just need to drink another cup of coffee or eat something with sugar to give myself a little quick boost. And you keep pushing yourself to go forward. But if we don't pay attention to these clues from our body telling us, okay, slow down, take a break, do some self-care and self-care can be so varied, right? I mean, self-care can be sitting down for five minutes and taking a few deep breaths. It could be having a cup of tea. It could be getting some rest when you're feeling tired instead of saying, no, I can just push myself through. I think it is really paying attention to all of those and just having some compassion and kindness to our own body because we only have one body and we got to make it work for forever. So for as long as we're living. 
obviously. <laughs> we just don't want to push it so hard that we are at a place and we're dealing with this, the effects of those stress and chronic sleep deprivation and uh, all of those. Yeah. No, I, it's true. I mean, I think so many people are on the coffee wine diet and I, I love my coffee and I love a good glass of wine. Always give yourself an upgrade, get the best mm-hmm. source that you can, biodynamically grown, all the things. But it is true when you're wired and tired and you're just pushing through, that means your cortisol levels, sometimes your body's doing the best that it's going to make. For a while, it's going to be elevated. Eventually, your body's going to be depleted of resources and your cortisol, you're not, your cortisol levels are, will go down. You feel like you can't even maybe get out of bed. And then when you are grabbing for the sugary snack or the alcohol, which is going to mess with your sleep cycle um, mm-hmm. and the sugar snack, causing that blood sugar to go up insulin. And then you're on a roller coaster that is going to contribute to weight gain. It's going to deplete your energy. So yeah, it is this vicious cycle. And Mm -hmm. your point about self-care, just taking some time. One of the things, I mean, so many of the things that we do already. So self-care doesn't have to be put on your to-do list. It's on your (laughs) for for you list of things you're already doing, like actually sitting down for a meal actually chewing your food, that idea of drinking your solids and chewing your liquids to the point mm-hmm. so that you make it easy on your body to be able to assimilate and absorb the nutrients that you're giving it. That's an act of self-care and you're eating mm-hmm. anyway. So you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, busy, absolutely. Busy professionals, it's like, oh, I got to meditate. I got that's meditative, right? That's an act. <laughs> yeah. If you're just focusing on just the chewing or you know, mm-hmm. the breathing or for busy clinicians and things like that, where if you're in a physical clinic, like when you put your hand on that doorknob, just taking one or two deep breaths, that's it. Mm-hmm. You're already breathing. Your hand's already on the doorknob. Just pause for a second. Right. So I think there's so many little things that we can do. And it's those little shifts that compound effect, right? Those consistent little acts that create those huge, huge momentum and swings. Absolutely. And and I'm so glad you said that too, because I do think that a lot of people that I've talked to have said, well, I just don't have time for self-care or I just don't have time for mindfulness. And if you're feeling so rushed that you're really struggling even to find five minutes for yourself, then I would challenge you that maybe you need to look at what's going on in your life. And I say that with the utmost love and compassion because I've been there. I've been the person that says, I don't have time for this. And tomorrow I will have time and I'll go work out or I will take a little bit of you know time for myself. And I never do until I really hit rock bottom. And it is a lot harder to climb up from rock bottom, you know? So I wish someone had sat me down and said, Hey, Serene, listen, you need a timeout. You need to just think, what are you doing to yourself? Because you may think that you're helping your patients and your family and everyone around you by being this person who just keeps working or who doesn't take a break or who does what needs to get done without thought to the cost. But you're not helping anybody when you work yourself to being unrecognizable as a person, right? You need to really be connected to the choices you're making. And when I took the pressure away from thinking, oh, I need an hour to meditate. I need to go work out for, I need to go to the gym for 90 minutes. And all of those sort of large time or expectation pressures, what I said was, okay, what can I do today? All right. I could do a five minute meditation. I can eat lunch sitting down and I can try to go to bed at 10 PM tonight. We try to find 
the the moments that we can. And there's no judgment or pressure for the things that you can do. Okay. So today I needed two cups of coffee. You know what? That's it's a two cup coffee day. There's no judgment because when we start telling ourselves, oh, I can't believe you did that. You're not doing a good job. And just adding the blame, shame, and guilt, it really adds to the stress and really compounds the impact is what I've noted. So just saying today, this is what I can do. And I'm so grateful I have the opportunity to do that. And tomorrow may be different. So just really seeing where our focus of control is and, but still consciously choosing to do something because that moment of self-care, that five minutes, whatever you can get, that makes a huge difference in, in the whole day. And breath work and meditation and, and mindful eating, all of those things have been found actually to support a decrease in cortisol. It has been found to support that changes, that better health and changes in hormonal health that we really want to see. Yeah, we definitely do, especially bringing it back to skin. Cortisol is just totally wrecks havoc on your skin. So <laughs> what are we spending all that money on those beauty products for <laughs> to have that youthful appearance? Well, cortisol breaks down your collagen and your elastin and it prevents its repair. And certainly estrogen as we're de- maturing produces that high uronic acid. So you might be spending a ton of money on products and filler and all the things, but you're not necessarily doing anything. It's, it's like throwing fuel on the fire, right? So you're putting mm-hmm. stuff water on a, with gas, like trying to put out a fire with gasoline. That's the analogy that I was thinking because you're adding things in, but you're not dealing with what's accelerating the decline that's at the root cause of it. And to your point, I think that I don't, that idea of, I don't have time. It's so interesting because at what, right. At what Mm -hmm. cost is that? And if you don't have time for that, are you going to have time to deal with the fallout? Mm -hmm. That's going to take a heck of a lot more time Mm -hmm. to, deal with than the five minutes of sitting down. And the right. other we were talking about earlier about kids, this idea of taking a time out. What do we tell our kids when they're like, they're rushing around and they're doing all the things <laughs> they're like, you or they're doing something naughty or whatever that isn't <laughs> serving them or serving anybody else. We give them a time out. If that idea of like, how would we treat a friend that's self-compassion? What would we say to our loved ones? We'd be like, you need a moment. You need a moment. We all need a moment. And I think we just forget that we need to treat ourselves just like we would treat our beloved. So true. So true. And I think that by showing our children, by role modeling for our children, this is actually how you stay connected. This is how you nurture both yourself and everyone around you. I think that sends so much more a positive message than say, oh, no, you just have to work and keep working. And until you're so exhausted, then you fall asleep and you wake up in the next morning and do it again. I don't know that he, we keep hearing about this quarter life crisis and kids having uh, struggles and even high school and college, right? Because they are struggling with the expectations both that they have on themselves and everyone around them. And, and they're struggling with all of the things that we only used to really even think about in our thirties or forties. It's happening earlier because there's this frenetic pace. There's, you have to play an instrument, three languages and, and do all of these sports and all of these expectations. And I think children are just losing that element of curiosity and exploration and saying, I'm just exploring the world. I don't even know what I want to do with my life, you know? So by showing them, like I, a year and a half ago, I went back to school and and I did a a degree in health and wellness. And I was, when I was doing my homework and I had to do a little bit of even some of the English 101 kind of thing, but something like that. And I was telling them, see, this is, it's hard to do homework. Like I understand. And just connecting to the normality 
quality of lifelong learning. There's no, like you have to finish learning and there's a path and this is just the structure that you have to follow. But what if life was just an exploration? It's a journey and we all get to chart our, our course and we get to explore what is, what do you want to do? Okay. What is our body telling us? And really using questions as a way to connect to our mind and say, okay, where am I right now? What is my next step? Instead of feeling like, okay, I'm not following the path. I'm behind. There's always this feeling, oh, I'm I'm behind. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to, but really, what if you're exactly where you're supposed to be? And this is just your journey. I love that. And I wholeheartedly agree, especially I think about my own journey, very meandering, mm-hmm. followed the traditional path. And it was always like, I should do this. I went to medical school because I could, mm-hmm. because I, I, what else was I going to do? I, I could study. And then that's so, your superpower. That was my superpower. I, I was a hyper-focuser. Did I have ADHD? Is that my genetics and understanding like what my own vulnerabilities and tendencies are? It's fascinating. And I only learned that by being a lifelong learner, right? Because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's fascinating. And to your point, we've got a teenager and I think there was actually a, a report or something. The kids aren't exploring things because for the pure joy of it, it's look good. I can only do the things that will get me somewhere. Mm-hmm. So we've lost a beautiful opportunity to explore our own creativity and art is a form of meditation. Peeling mm-hmm. veggies is a form of like, <laughs> I just feel like in terms of, again, bringing it back to create like the things that you can do that don't take time. You're peeling mm-hmm. veggies. Like I find actually that to be one of the most therapeutic things that I can do. I love it. I'm going to have to tell my kids that peeling vegetables is like meditation. Come on, do it with me. You're still in the moment. You're just like, and I'll tell you, I admittedly, like I didn't learn how to cook until several years ago. After when everything fell apart, my husband Mm -hmm. was amazing. He's an amazing cook, but I realized I had a lot to learn and it became one of my healing Mm -hmm. therapies. I was just like, peel, Mm -hmm. chop the veggies, you know. Mm -hmm. It's so true. And we can really, it it brings up, again, highlight the point of we can infuse mindfulness in every activity we do. We could take a shower mindfully. We can wash dishes. And so everything that is like, oh, I have to do it. And it's a chore. And there's this feeling of dismay or discomfort. It could really be transformed just by thinking, wow, I have this gift of time that I get to do this and just really focus on the sensations and the breath and just being in the moment doing something like that. So in a way, it's really trying to connect to that moment in time where there is joy, there is laughter, and there may be discomfort and sadness and all of life is 50-50. We're going to have all emotions, but really connecting and not wishing that moment away. Yeah, I think absolutely. it's not. And yeah, I 100% agree. And to your point about a mindful shower, that's like <laughs> sensations on your body, that actually is the gateway to better sex, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's better skin because we know the studies have been shown. Individuals who were treated with psoriasis, even mindfulness tape and the therapy alone, individuals who practiced mindfulness meditation, greater skin clearing, greater quality of life. And then Dr. Lori Brado has really has written a beautiful book that highlights taking the mindfulness-based stress reduction paradigm Mm -hmm. and applying it to intimate connections with ourselves first, Mm -hmm. being tuned into the sensations, how it feels, because so Mm -hmm. many women in midlife, especially there's changes in libido and such, but really tuning into your own body and understanding Mm -hmm. how 
you're feeling, getting more comfortable in that, the good feelings, the uncomfortable feelings. Mm -hmm. And then you can translate that into when you're with somebody else, right? Most of the time we're worried about, does my butt look big? Can they see my (laughs) cellulite or my boobs? (laughs) And rather than focusing on the physical, it's Mm -hmm. the tactile, the sensations and the true pleasure that we can experience just in from that experience, just being Mm -hmm. so not worrying about the other things and being more insular. And so it's fascinating how mindfulness can really decrease our stress response. It can heal our skin. It can heal our digestion and help us enjoy pleasure beyond expectations. So my yay plug for mindfulness. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I love that because I think a lot of us do, right? As we go through our 30s and 40s, kids, life, busy, and we start to lose a little bit of that connection. And I think building that mindfulness back and being able to find pleasure in just normal activities, but also uh, bring mindfulness back um, into our bedroom and into our um, intimate life, I think is so absolutely beautiful. So thank you so much for sharing. I wanted to know if you could go back in time and you could talk to your younger self, is there any advice or anything that you would tell her? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Um, If I knew then what I know now, I think it's just to pause and to breathe and to cut the girl some slack. It's Mm -hmm. Mm self-compassion to just talk to her like you would your good friend that it's going to be okay. It's hard. It's hard for everybody and you're not doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. Just what if you are exactly where you need to be. You're doing exactly what you should be doing and you're good. And it's all going to have a way of unfolding just, <laughs> just as it's intended. So that's probably what I, I would just have a lot more self-compassion. Thank you for sharing that. That is such a beautiful lesson for all of us, I think. And we get to do that even now, right? We get to mm-hmm. show ourselves self-compassion. And I've heard that from so many. And I think that we are the most critical on ourselves. So what would you do if it was your best friend? And and they were struggling with something. I mean, you, would you say, oh, you're doing such a terrible job or you're being stupid or whatever? Or would you say, this is hard. You're doing great. Let me pour you a cup of tea. <laughs> Let me take care of you and, and be there with love and compassion. So I think that's a beautiful, beautiful message. So if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you and know more about you, where would they find your information and who would be, tell them a little bit more about who would be the best person that would benefit from your services? Yeah, I'm on Instagram, although, I'm not as active at Dr. Kira Bar and my website, drkirabar.com. And the women that would, I work primarily predominantly. And so it's the woman transitioning to menopause over 40, who is struggling with feeling tired all the time, no energy, noticing that waking shifts in her skin, all the things, and to help rebalance her hormones through diet and lifestyle, who's really interested because there is no quick fix, right? So (laughs) who's really interested in long-term health and longevity. And I also do work with mind-body practices, women who are really just feeling stressed out and don't understand how to get a hold on what is happening because that too is going to make their transition to menopause that much more challenging. Those hot flashes, the sleepless nights, it's going to be exacerbated because our stress hormones totally shift our sex hormones and shut down. So if you're already depleted, it's going to deplete more and you're going to notice those symptoms. Yeah. In those two camps, I really do want to support women. Sometimes it's just the mind-body practices alone, but oftentimes it's more of the comprehensive. Oh, that's wonderful. And it's so great to know that those are options because a lot of times there's not a lot of support in that space. I'm sure everyone will appreciate knowing that. Thank you so much. I'll include that information in the show notes as well. 
well. So everyone will have a chance to connect with you and get to know you more. And I really appreciate the time that you've spent with us and all the wisdom that you've shared today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Absolutely. For my listeners, if there are any topics that you want to hear more, please drop a comment below. I would be happy to add those to our weekly content. For all those listening, thank you for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please like, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or two. I would so appreciate that. I would love to hear from you. If you have a story to share about burnout or overwhelm, please reach out to me so we can continue to build this community so no one has to go through burnout and overwhelm alone. You can reach out to me at my website, serenitywellnessmd.com or Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Facebook page or at Serenity Wellness MD on Instagram. The content of this podcast is not meant to be medical advice. Tune in for the next episode coming to you every Thursday morning. Goodbye for now.